Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 695, with Dino and Megan Santanicola. I believe that today we don't compromise. We show people where we really want to do it, and we know, know that it could be successful. So don't just give up because you think, oh, I need to make money. It's not going to be easy by persistence. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Ladies and gents, you've got to own your presence online because that's where your first impressions are made. Good thing there is Bento Box because Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their websites. To learn more about Bento Box and how it can empower you through your website, head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And because you are a restaurant unstoppable listeners, you'll save 50% off your setup fee. Again, that's getbento.com slash unstoppable. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slicking ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don professional what's going on unstoppables i've got a great show for you today but before i give you that teaser of what to expect i want to put another restaurant business podcast on your radar it's qsr magazine's fast forward and it brings insightful interviews between qsr editor sam okis and some of the fast casual restaurant industry's most illustrious leaders from kava's brett shulman to chipotle's brian nickel to mod pizza's ali and scott svenson it's a really great podcast to learn more head over to to qsrmagazine.com slash podcast for a full archive or subscribe wherever uh, podcasts are played. And today we have a great show for you. Megan and Dino Santa Nicola, a great conversation. I love their their approach to getting into the industry, going to work for the best, learning uh, under someone else's dollar, scaling someone else's business. And then once you feel like you got what it takes, breaking off and doing it on your own. In today's episode, we discuss persistence. We talk about managing what you measure. We talk about empowering your team and your guests. We also talk about what empowering your team looks like, how we can learn to love the work we do, and the power of trust, just to name a few of the topics discussed today. And it's a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. I feel confident that you will. Here it is. 
right. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Megan Indino Santa Nicola. How are we doing today? You guys feeling unstoppable? Always. Yeah. Give me, give me something, Dino. Yeah. Yes. I can't uh, stop right now. Still moving. I'm, ex- I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for today's conversation. You guys uh, have a great story, and I cannot wait to unpackage it. So, Megan and Dino Santa Nicola are the owners of Parte Nope Restaurante located in Dallas, Texas. They are the dynamic duo with Dino, a master of pizza, and Megan with her 20 years of experience in the Dallas restaurant and hospitality industry. In 2011, Dino became the executive chef and master pizziole of uh, Cane Rosso in Dallas during. The, his seven years with Kane Rosso, Dino grew the concept and brand from one location to Deep Elm to nine locations from Dallas to Houston to Austin. And uh, Megan and Dino met while working at Kane Rosso, uh, where Megan developed uh, and guided the growth of the operation uh, of Kane Rosso. Uh, she has been involved in the Dallas restaurant and hospitality industry since 1999 with concepts such as the Green Room. Dragonfly and Hibiscus. She was also the the food and beverage director at Hotel Palamo. Or sorry, Palomar. Thank you. I'm struggling today. <laughs> and the Essential 214 uh, for four years. So I cannot wait to dive into the story. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? I got Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's. Ooh, you say it. Nothing in the world can replace persistence. Nothing in the world can replace persistence. Why does that resonate with you? Because when you're really persistent, you believe it, you insist, you push it, no matter what, you're going to get it. Yeah. doesn't matter how long it takes, how hard it's going to be, you're going to get there. It's that ability just to keep on showing up, which I think is just so, yep. so important in this industry because really it's just the, a matter of outworking the guy next to you or the girl next to you, right? Yeah, awesome. Do you want to reflect on that, Megan? Uh, and persistence is free. It doesn't take education for persistence, yeah. right? Yeah. So you don't, uh, the rocket scientist, you don't have to be for persistence. Yeah. Anybody can be persistent. Exactly. You can uh, translate that to your staff, too. And with persistence, you can get your own education through trial and error. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. You live and learn a lot with persistence. All right, so where does it make sense to start telling the story? Who wants to go first? Dino. Dino. Right. Yeah. So you grew up in Italy. I grew up in Italy. Yes, yep. I was uh, in Naples. Okay. Exactly, to be exact. Uh, when I grew up, a few years ago, I'm 44 <laughs> and now, so, well, there was uh, not a lot of choices, like uh, our vision of work, get a job. It wasn't really optimistic back there. Okay. So, uh, my mom was trying to uh, keep me on the right direction. So, after school, she pushed me towards this uh, a local pizzeria for our neighborhood. Okay. She said, so she, uh, she thought about it so he doesn't get in trouble. Smart. So <laughs> and push her here, push her there, you know, today yeah. and tomorrow, they became something and I started like do it. Okay. And instead of going in bad directions, I got the work direction. Okay. I like that. So um, any key mentors in the early days when you were a young kid getting put in these kitchens, anybody who really sticks out to you, who really influenced who you are today that comes to mind? There was. There is a, there were two cousins. Okay. They owned these uh, local pizzeria. Okay. I remember, the, you know, you got to think about it then. I think the way our mentor was seen back then, so different that people could see a mentor today. Because I, I really liked those guys, but they were really mean. <laughs> okay. I want to make sure I understand. So you're saying that the way we see mentors back then are different than the way we see mentors yes, today? Yes, the, the way I saw. Okay. For instance, you know, I grew up with the, the fear on uh, if. 
if you lose this job, you're not going to find another one. Mm. That was really the fear of all the friends of mine, of people that my age, because that was not easy. So when you get a job, you keep it, mm. no matter what they do, you know. So, for instance, the way they trained me was the way they knew it because their father trained them. Okay. Right? So, like, uh, this was pizzeria really busy. And, for instance, Saturday night, uh, after the long shift, at midnight, uh, we were making dough. For the next two days. And right? you're 13 when this is going on. I was 13. Wow. Yes. And so we were prepping the door in the basement. Uh, at midnight, we started. Uh, the guy brought me down the basement. We had this huge table. It was a big, beautiful place. It was historic. It was a long, a thick marble old, a mm. really old table where they made all the pastry and everything. And we had those uh, probably seven, 800 pizza dough all in a mountain. You have to just apportion it all over, cut it. So we got down to the, he showed me how to do it back then. You, know, you cut it, you know, you start rolling it, you put it in the trays. All right. Then he starts to walk up and locks the door. <laughs> I said, what's going on? I said, Chilo, what's up? He said, you know, you got to do the door. I said, yeah, but you locked the living. What about if I got to go in the bathroom? He said, what well, if there's you, a fire? He said, you become fast. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lock people in the basement uh, nowadays. No, no, yeah. it's not allowed. Yeah. And I actually, I'm pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So there were moments when um, you know, I got home, I was upset, I was tired, and I told my mom, Mama, look what he did to me. And she said, you should be glad. He's teaching you a job. Mm. Right? A that skill. was my mom mentality. Yeah. skill. Yeah. something you could use it. And back then, you know, I really, I needed to learn something, right? Beside the school, and uh, I liked it too because they, they come became uh, my second family. They were, mm. they liked me. They yeah. just, uh, they trained me the way they knew it. Yeah. You now I'm sure his father was even worse than how he was. So what? What's the underlying lesson here? I mean, I know it's not don't don't lock your employees <laughs> in basements. That's not definitely the not. But I try to see the good of everything yeah. people do. It. Yeah. There's definitely a good side. Yeah. There's a reason. Obviously, like one of my favorite guys that it's passed away, Steve Jobs, said, You connected dots looking back. Mm. Right. Now I'm looking back and say, See, the way he did it, I'm actually really fast to making dough now. Yeah. I'm pretty good. I learned well. Yeah. Back then, I couldn't really see it. Right. You can't see the future, but you can see the past. And yeah. They, they helped you become a person of value. They yeah. did. Yeah. They did. And honestly, they, they learned me that uh, the first lesson you'll learn. This kind of industry, it's not easy. Yeah. So how long did you spend uh, working from 13 to how long or how old were you before you came stateside? And other, I mean, I know you went to the, the Italian Culinary School Institute. Yes. Well, I moved uh, in the States when I was 29. Okay. I didn't want to come in the States, to be honest with you. But there was this guy. It's a very interesting story. This guy met with a friend of mine in a cab. Yeah. Now, he's an American. A friend of mine is a Neapolitan guy. One doesn't speak English, the other doesn't speak Italian. But somehow they got to communicate. Mm. <laughs> and he said, uh, the American dude says to this friend of mine, I need to open a pizzeria like in Naples because I really like it. The food, it's great. But I'm based in Seattle. I don't know how to do it. That's not my uh, business. And, you know, you need to help me. Somehow they bought all the equipment and he got in touch with me. Now, the American guy got in touch with me. I didn't speak any English either, but for some reason, we actually <laughs> kind of understand each other. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to make, he had a big company back then. He was in a coffee business. So he got me a work visa. He brought me in the States and he started showing me what to do. We started to build the restaurant, the business. 
without speak really no English. And this no is Italian. Jay you're talking about. No, no? this is the the first approach was in oh, Seattle. Oh, okay. I did not know that. No, his name is Michael. He's got Mike. now doesn't have the business anymore, but he had a, opened this, we opened this pizzeria called Via Tribunali in Seattle. Okay. From one location we grow to five. And uh, you know, the I start like a, uh, like a joke for me. So, okay, I'm going to go in America visiting. But then became uh, what I really liked. It. You know, it grew on me. I liked it. I saw, you know, what I see you in Italy, you l- really learn uh, the passion to love the restaurant. Mm. In America, you learn how to run it successfully. Oh, so, you know... I'm so happy you're saying this because <laughs> honestly, I think that the focus has become too much on running a successful restaurant that we've lost sight and we've detached ourselves from being a part of a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, there's so much emphasis on scaling and growth, but in order to scale and grow, you got to work on the business, not in the business. But what's wrong with working in a business? What's wrong with loving right. the work? What's wrong with making just enough to get by? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I feel like the American culture just doesn't put enough appreciation on the work you know what i'm saying uh am i do you agree or disagree with that I mean, no maybe, maybe, i agree yeah no i agree what i think it's that i don't know why but some let's say wealthy people they never worked in a restaurant they think you become a millionaire opening a restaurant mm. i swear they all have especially you know the big investment guys i don't understand they don't it takes a lot it takes a lot of work and you might you know the profit the margin it's really slim Mm. No, you might make some money. It's going to take a very long time. Yeah, But a lot of people don't see that side of the rest. So you really have to love it. Mm. Yep. You have to love it. You have to be into it. Yes. You got to do it every day. Not for the money or because, oh, I might one day become rich because it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? But you see, I really like it. I'm so glad when people smile at me and say, hey, chef, you made my day with this dish. I love that, man. I love Thank you for getting into that. Um, so what ended up – so are you saying that maybe that first experience when you came to Seattle, they were more interested in in, in the, the, the money side of the business? No, they the- were interested in both. But for me, I didn't really know the business side because in Italy, a restaurant, a family on a restaurant – it's the mom. There's only relatives as employed. Yeah, it's right? part of the community. And it's passed down. Right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah a but fun, I, funny episode when my family come here to visit, right? And they came in a restaurant where we were working. Oh, who is that guy? Who is that guy? You know, they asked my family. Oh, curious. They want to know everything. <laughs> and now, oh, now that's the general manager. You need a manager. You know, <laughs> so wait a minute, man. Why are you here then? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For them, it's, it's your restaurant. You stay in. Yeah. Why you need somebody else? Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of I feel that. I get it. Um, so I think we can put this on pause right now. Uh, maybe give some uh, some mic time to Megan. Megan, dive into your first experiences within the restaurant industry. Uh, how did you How did you break in? Um, I went to college at University of Missouri, and I needed a job. Um, and my sister had gone to the same school previously and worked at a restaurant um, in Columbia, Missouri, um, where the university is. And so I said, I want to work there. And they're like, of course, we'll hire you. You know, We love your sister. We have a job for you as a dishwasher slash busser. Like, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and obviously... I loved it. I didn't like the dishwashing part so much. but um, And then I worked my way up. You know, um, I was going to school um, to be in for uh, political science because I wanted to be a lobbyist. Okay. My mom was a teacher. My dad had been a teacher. I'm like, I'm in it for the teachers. I took a couple of political science classes. I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> and I started hanging out with the hotel restaurant management kids. I'm like, they're having a blast. <laughs> they're having so much fun. I'm going to do hotel restaurant management. I think that's what drew that draws me to this industry so much is honestly the, yeah. how much fun people that work in 
this industry like to have and yep. how real they are. So I don't blame you. They they're, were, they were enjoying their classes. Yeah. I was like, you like your class. I'm sorry, what? You, yeah. You, yeah. Clearly you have the school thing all around. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. this isn't what it's about, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so I decided to get my uh, bachelor's in hotel restaurant management okay. from the University of Missouri. Um, and then after I graduated, I stuck around for a while. I worked at the same restaurant for five years. Um, I loved it. Um, that was my whole inspiration. The, um, it was a man and woman that owned it. Um, and I was truly inspired by both of them. Um, he was tough as nails, and she exuded hospitality. Um, she's the whole reason I did what I did. I'm like, wow, there's this like, single woman busting her butt every day. She is exuding hospitality, but she doesn't take shit from anybody and she drinks Budweiser at the end of her shift. Nice. I love her. Nice. <laughs> um, so what are these two? Were they a married couple or a single? Two? No. no. His partners? He business was partners? married and oh. they were just business partners. Business partners. Yeah, okay. they've been you know restaurant business together for a while. What were their names? Um, Bob and Kelly. Bob and Kelly. What was the name of their restaurant? It was called Cornerstone Cafe. Cornerstone Cafe. It was a little bit of a head of its time. Um focused on having like we had local artists that had their artwork in there um we had a great guy named Layton that used to come in and play the piano on the weekends nice. he was very jazzy you know nice. the eye, awkward eye contact sometimes <laughs> um but uh yeah it was a great place I learned so much there um you know and I decided like this is gonna be my job okay I'm, I'm going to do this for the rest of my career Give because if s- Kelly can do it, I yeah. can do it. You Give know? me some nuggets that they taught you, not necessarily, or it could be about the, the restaurant industry, like a lesson about the industry, but more about who to be uh, in this industry to, to make it. What it knowledge. Takes knowledge is power. If you don't know the wine list, you can't sell it. If you mm. don't know what's in the cocktails, you can't sell it. If you don't know what's in the food, you can't sell it. Yeah. And to sell it, you have to try it. You have to eat it. If you might not like black beans or whatever, but if it's in the dish, you need to try the dish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so knowledge, that's what I learned from them. You know, And then organization, and there's a step for every process. You know, There's a step to everything, and you have to follow those steps. Don't skip steps, or you know, you're taking shortcuts, and then shortcuts have negative consequences. Yeah. Well, the, the cool thing about knowledge, too, uh, which is kind of like a byproduct of being knowledgeable, is that it, you can create experiences with knowledge. Yep. Because when your guests come in and they're not familiar with the food, when you can educate them on that food, they're going to tie that new piece of knowledge with your restaurant. And, yep. you know, and like, I think we undervalue the educational process in the dining experience experience because that learning new things is exciting yeah. and it's it makes the experience you're shaking your head do you know while i was saying that any thoughts because i agree yeah <laughs> it's, i think it's especially in the you know we are in the neapolitan pizza yeah business which for some reason it's the most market pizza as a marketing wise but then the real neapolitan pizza it's probably one of the most hated too by people because of the softness uh. right but i discovered in Education and knowledge. If you explain to people, educate them, uh, share yeah. what you're doing with them before they order the pizza. The when they actually get it, they agree with you. Yeah. They try it, they like it. The thing is, if you're not going to tell them anything, just to be, uh, I'm going to have a two pizza, cheese pizza, you bring it, and they have a different idea in their mind of what the pizza should have looked like, then it's a disaster. We have unconscious biases of what we think good pizza is supposed to be. Everyone grew up with what they thought their favorite pizza is. They all have in their mind, like what I grew up with, my favorite pizza has a mini cult following in college America, Shakespeare's Pizza. Yeah. I don't like Shakespeare's Pizza anymore, but I used to let my parents (laughs) used to ship it to us on dry ice, oh, half-baked, so that we could finish it. And now I'm like, no, I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's why in the early 20th century, like pizza like morphed so much across the country because yeah. each geographic had its own staple of what the right 
pizza was and it just got this like little yep. like pizza pockets all over the place um did not mean to no you're fine no but there. everybody has their own vision of what yeah their pizza is or what it should be exactly but and when you explain to them the history behind the why you do yeah. it that why way, that way i mean that all that whole educational process becomes so part really of the experience yeah yeah it's yeah, really absolutely. essential yeah. to customer for the good experience it can't just a blind side awesome down. beautiful so back to megan yeah. um you after missouri how long did it take you to come down to the to, to texas um, I was in Columbia for five years, and then I came here. So I've been here since 99. Okay. I was only going to stay for three or four years. Here I am. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. My yeah. sister was here. Nice. Um, now my parents have moved down here. Yeah. Um, they gave up of either of us ever going home, yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, oh, well. <laughs> so much <laughs> cheaper in Missouri, though. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, I, I came here, and um, I stayed. Okay. Uh, so did you get right back into the, the restaurant industry? I did. Um, I worked for this awesome little seafood and chowder house um, in Dallas. It was my first job as a GM, Okay. Um, which I totally shouldn't have had. I was young. I was 23. I shouldn't have been a GM of anything. But <laughs> I met some of the best people in the restaurant business there that I'm still friends with. Um, you know, great relationships to that one little bitty place. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. And then uh, I took a little break for a while and went and bartended. Okay. You know? So reflecting back at that time, you said you should not have been a GM. Yeah. Um, knowing what you know now, um, maybe at that time you didn't realize you weren't supposed to be a GM. Oh, I was the smartest person I knew. Yeah, but, yeah. Re- but reflecting, <laughs> back, yeah, yeah. <laughs> re- reflecting back at that 23-year-old version of yourself, uh, what were you missing? Um, I was missing the knowledge of separating work from friendship. Like, uh, I believe that, you know, this is our family, right? These guys are our family, but they're not our friends, if that makes sense. So I was friends. I was developed friendships with them. So that made managing them hard, right? With your friends with them, like, oh, I feel bad that you need that day off. So I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going to yeah. short the restaurant a staff member. Yeah. Even though I shouldn't, because I'm your, I'm your friend. Yeah. Um, I, so that was hard. I think that's something that's common within people in this industry because we're so socially and emotionally we gravitate yep. so much in that direction. We want everyone to like us. We don't want to make enemies. We want to keep everybody happy. We, we're natural people pleasers, right? Yep. So you got to develop that discipline to say, you know, like I want to say yes, yep. but you need to understand I can't. I learned to manage yeah. that, like the mom. Yeah. Like your mom's not your best friend. She's your friend, yeah. right? Your mom has your back and is there for you if you need things. But she's also going to put her foot down and say, no, I can't do that for you. Or, you know, hey, you're taking advantage. Mm. You know, that sort of thing. So I, at that time, I didn't know that. What other, what other skills did you have to develop or reflecting back at that time that you weren't, you didn't quite have yet? Um, the, the behind the scenes stuff, right? Like I had learned how to cost a recipe and all that stuff in school. And I hadn't learned, you know, good tactical inventory. I hadn't learned, you know, how to control direct expenses, the things that you can actually control on a daily basis, how to really wrap my hands. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap my head around labor. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, that person gets paid, you know, $13 an hour. But was I really translating that to the hours a week? You know, what advice would you give yourself around those topics that you just gave us? If you were sitting across from yourself right now, like with the labor and all that other stuff, um, to learn more, ask more questions. I didn't ask enough questions of the ownership, you know, okay. what his expectations were, um, you know, and to, to teach myself a yeah. little bit more, ask those questions, learn. I just assumed, well, everything's running. We're making money and, yeah. you know, petty cash balances at the end of the night. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned uh, on the show is just 
don't be shy. Yep. If you Ask have a questions. question, there's yep. like you might seem it might feel like you're you're, you're stupid or whatever, but you're going to get so much more aberration from your 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 employers. Yeah. Um, if they know that you're passionate and when they see that you want to learn, they'll give you more responsibility. They're, they're, yep. They they love to see people that want to take on more. It makes their lives easier. Right. Yep. Uh, so yeah, ask questions. I love it. Um, so at this point we're still in the early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, is this around the time that you're in Seattle? 2000. Yeah. Yes. 2000. So you, what, how long were you in Seattle? Five years, five years. Uh, so you left in 2005, went back yep. to Italy. No, this is from 2004 oh, to 2004. 2009. 2004, 2009. And then you came to Dallas. Correct. Okay. No, you went to D.C. I did one year in D.C. Oh, okay. Any any uh, experiences during this time from 2005 to 2009 that's worth hovering over and learning from? Well, that's what I started learning how to run a business. Okay. Non-family-wise. So what were the biggest lessons you learned? Do uh, you have to control the costs? Okay. Do you want to get into detail on that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for me, it was uh, when I worked in the pizzeria, it was just to hold a big family. Yeah, you said uh, control costs. Did I hear that right? Okay, yeah. cool. It was just a big family. You yeah. didn't really have to control anything, right? But then when I got here, I, we started having meetings. Mm. You now, you imagine the guy got barely speak English. Yeah. Got to have a meeting, you know, this. <laughs> show me a spreadsheet. And show, but I was doing pretty well if I don't speak English. Yeah. And this tried to show me what, because, you know, I work with the people that he had a big company already. So, you know, they knew what they were doing, right? So I was actually learning. Mm. That's what I loved it, right? I was learning that part. of learning how to cost it, to maintain where we needed to be and why we needed to be that way. And so I learned the business side of the actual restaurant. Besides just cooking, and then you know you do everything great, but you're not gonna make it in the next twelve months. Yeah, because you didn't control any costs. So the, you mentioned something that's really important. There is uh, explaining why to your team. You they they yes. would explain why to you. They why were. why is explaining why so important? So you don't think they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, what's the reason for this? Like, why right. are you telling me to do all this stuff? Like, what was wrong with the way I was doing it before? Yeah, that's it, exactly what we yeah. do with those guys here. Yeah. You know, explain them why we have to do that. Yeah. And the, the other byproduct of that is you're empowering them. You're educating them on, you know, you're, you're giving them the skills that they need to go on and do it themselves someday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If they want to. I don't know if I would recommend it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I'm surprised I haven't been talked out of it either. Uh, so what about key mentors during this time in the States? Any, any individuals that really stand out that really influence who you are today? There is a, a friend and a, a family member. I have a cousin that lives in New York. Okay. Uh, his name is Rosario Procino. He has a restaurant called uh, Ribalta. Say his first name for me one more time. Rosario Rosario. Procino. Okay. That's, that, both of those are his first name? First and last name. Oh, okay. Rosario is his first name. Mouthful. Rosario, yeah. He yeah. has a restaurant called Ribalta. Okay. But he opened a Neapolitan pizzeria a long time ago called Queste. Okay. The first Neapolitan pizzeria in New York. Real Neapolitan. Then he sold the Queste and reopened Ribalta. He's always been successful. It, uh, the way he's, the interesting part with Rosario then, he's a restaurant owner right now, but Rosario is actually an engineer. Okay. With the, you know, he has a top uh, graduation scores in Italy, but he moved here. He was doing his uh, job as a computer engineer. Okay. He hated it. <laughs> He really did. He yeah. went to work for Academia Barilla, so he got in the, in the food business. He loved it, so he showed me his passion. We talk uh, here and there, and uh, I see the way he's successful. And, you know, it's like uh, every Italian you talk to, uh, 
I mean, he's uh, almost more famous in Italy than New York. You know, yeah. he's packed all the time. But 90% his customers are from Italy. Okay. That's why it's really interesting. Uh, people come yeah. to New York to go to his restaurant. I like it. It's that. like a little Naples for real. And, you know, they watch sports. It's big and Naples. <laughs> it's so awesome. It it's so awesome. high energy and vibrant. You're and the food me, is amazing. You're making me want to go yeah. right now. But <laughs> the good part is that Rosario, you know, can't really cook. <laughs> he's like the maitre d like he's the, always that, the one like he's the ringleader but you know, you know if you look at, like, creating the show danny meyer yeah it's exactly yeah. yeah you know look at danny meyer probably one of the most recognized names in hospitality yeah. i'm sure he can cook but he's not known for it no you know what i'm yeah. saying like the most successful he's people himself the, with the right people yeah, yeah you know the most successful people are socially emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. and recognize the strengths in yep. others um so sorry keep going and then there's another friend of mine his name is uh trevor Mm. Uh, then he, we worked in Seattle in the first uh, pizzeria that I opened together me and him the Via Tribunali he was the metro D there but now he has his own restaurant he has a 304 in the Seattle area okay. he's a great guy great wine knowledge uh, we became uh, really good friends spent a lot of time together because the restaurants were in Seattle close late at night like midnight so we spent a lot of time what was his name the second person Trevor Trevor so what did your cousin teach you? Did he teach you the, the value of relationships, the value of... He showed me then, actually, Sa, because every time I go there, you know, I can see it then. His place, it's like everybody's place. They feel at home, comfortable. They come there just to hang out. Mm. It's a, you know, you make a people... It's a home. Yeah. yeah it's a home make, away from home. You make people feel comfortable. I love it. So they come and spend time. I mean, a guy, if you think about it, guy that lives in Italy... Naples goes in vacation New York because we all dream about New York. Yeah. You know, you watch the movie, you know, when we grew up, it was the city, right? But he leaves in Naples to go on vacation, right? And you go in different, it's a different country. You don't speak their language, and you go and eat Italian food, which you can eat every time uh, when you're back home. He, they can eat where they're going to eat the Rosario every day when they go back. Yeah. And they just left it. But they go back there. They go on vacation in an Italian restaurant to spend time with an Italian guy. Why do they, why do, they do that? Because they have a great time. Yeah. They, I mean, <laughs> they, it makes them, the, the experience of their vacation, better. They have a memory. So they go back and tag him. I see people tag him and post it. It's always great. We visit New York. It's pretty interesting. If you think about it, you know, they come here in Neapolitan. They are not going again. Uh, I don't know. Try. Go try Santa America. You know what I mean? Yeah, they might go have a hamburger, but no, they want to go to the Italian restaurant. Mm. They want to drink espresso. You know, they're really picky people, especially from Naples. You know, they want to go on vacation, but they want to bring the whole food with them, the whole culture. You know, they don't want to <laughs> leave their uh, comfort zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why they look for the place where they can feel home, even when they are not home. I love it. Any other lessons from your cousin before we try to pull something from Trevor? Uh, never give up. Yeah. You know, he closed. You know, he was an engineer. Opened one restaurant. It was very successful. Sold it. Opened another one. It's even more successful than the other one. So, don't stop. Yeah. Persistent. I love it. I love it. And what about Trevor? What was these lessons you said, Trevor? You identified him as another key mentor. What did he teach yes, you? Yes. Be get your um, you know uh, surround yourself. Surround yourself. Surround yourself with the really good people that mm. can help you. Yeah. That's what he does. All the people that he opened the first restaurant with, the Car Cantinetta, was all ex-employees. They actually partnership together. Okay. They put money together and opened his first place. He offered me too, but I was on my way out to Seattle 
he wanted me to be part of it so I had this opportunity to leave for DC I thought it was better than when we went the back before open this restaurant we go back later Trevor actually offer again okay because he was open another place but we choose to stay in Texas. Yeah, I don't blame you. I like it. I like it. It's warmer down here. Um, yeah. So <laughs> <Less> rain, <laughs> right? So around, we're getting closer to the time you guys cross paths. It was 2011 that you opened. Uh, yep. I'm gonna say this wrong again. Say the name of the restaurant. I, my, <laughs> my 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 Italian ancestors are rolling in their graves right now. I swear to God. Cane uh, uh, Cane Rosso. Cane Rosso. Thank you. So um, you opened in 2011, but did you come? Were you on board from day one with Cane Rosso? Uh, Cane Rosso opened actually uh, Valentine's Day of 2011. I started July 5th, 2011. Speaking so right of, after. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. you. Uh, thank you, you married couple, for coming together on Valentine's <laughs> Day to do my restaurant podcast. tours together on a Valentine's <laughs> yeah, Day. Right? Um, beautiful. So, uh, wait, were you guys not together? No, we're not. Why did I think that you were married? Oh, we are. Yeah, not. Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah, no, yeah. Are. Okay, sorry. We met like, at Conor Rosso shortly that's after. That's what I thought. I was there in July. Dino was in September, but Dino started. I he just, was there to help open. I his thought consultant. I was super embarrassed for it. No, no. Like, <laughs> we got okay. married later. At the moment when we yeah, met, we were in 2015. We got married. Yeah, I got you. So um, when did you? When did you, so you might have said it, and I, and I might have missed it because my heart dropped for a second. Uh, <laughs> when did you come on board at uh, July Rosa? of 2011? So yeah, so that, you guys opened in 2011. So you were. They're pretty early on. I Very came early. for the opening, for the actually day that we opened. Okay. For uh, I was consulting help. I met the owner, Jay, in the past. He said, can you come to help? I said, sure. I came, and we opened the place. Okay. Then I left because I still I was living in D.C. at that time. He contacted me three months later. and said, why don't you move back? You know, I want to do more with this restaurant. I want to grow it. But he said, to be honest, I needed somebody that knows what he's doing. Because the guy wasn't not, he's not a restaurant guy. We're talking about uh, Jay. 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 Okay, yeah. so Jay re- recruited you because he didn't know what he was doing. Correct. He wasn't not a restaurant guy. And he was, So why did he leave in the first place? No, I came just to open. Just to open. Like, okay. I came, that was my idea because I was working on this opening in D.C. that wasn't ready yet. And we were talking to Jay. He said, that I'm going to open uh, in February the 14th. Do you want to come for the opening? Okay. Yeah, I came here for a few days. How did he up. find you? To the VPN, the Associazione Verace Pizza Napoletana. Okay. So you basically went through that resource to find a, a, somebody to come Yeah, it's already in a pass with a different restaurant group than he had. He had this uh, other restaurant group. He was an investor to it. They needed some help. So they contacted me. Okay. I came in Dallas way before the kind of right. so I got we you. Met. So we're going to take a, our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to kind of pick up where you guys cross paths and what you learned at Cane Rosso and uh, – the whole story of what you got going on here. So uh, we'll be right back. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen, but with the grease fighting power of Dom professional manual pot and pan from P and G professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for with long lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving you up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label. It's no wonder Don Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don Professional. Now go get it. 
All right, we're back. And before we dive into you two crossing paths, I wanted to give uh, Megan the, the mic one more time to kind of, you mentioned that you worked at the Kimpton Group. And yes. we can't just skip over that. An right. incredible group of, <laughs> of people to wor- be working with. What were some of the big lessons there? Um, I got to partake in an opening. So they opened the Hotel Palomar here in Dallas in 2006, and I got to be part of that opening team. Um, and I had previously worked at a hotel with Hotel Zaza. It was the G- GM at Dragonfly, which the, was the restaurant there. Yeah. But I was there for about a year, a little over a year. Um, so it was a really small hotel group. Um, and then uh, Kimpton recruited me from Hotel Zaza, um, and I got to be part of that opening team. And I learned so much um, from an opening perspective. I learned what a punch list was. What is a punch list? Life. <laughs> In an opening, it's life. Yeah. And it's assignment to everybody. It's the way to track things from construction to do we have a first aid kit? Do we have a, yep. you know, wet floor signs? Do we have register tape? Do we have you know, all of those yeah. things? So it's life. Where do you go to find a punch list? I mean, is there like a template out there? Or is it something that you I'm sure there's some own? online now. But yeah. you know, I've morphed our punch list from... Your experiences? Yeah, over time, right? Um, so, you know, but a punch list is key. I've had friends open restaurants that say, hey, can you send me a punch list? Because they know I've opened so many. Yeah. You know, that I've got it now down to a science. Mm-hmm. And like, this is who has what. And this is where things and go. I think that's a key lesson in itself is if you're interested in opening a restaurant, it's one thing to work in restaurants. It's another thing to open a restaurant. It's, a, yep. it's an entirely different set of skill sets altogether. So go to work for, for a restaurant group that has aspirations to open a bunch of restaurants and explain to them that that's what you want to learn how to do you yeah. know maybe even become a specialist but definitely get those openings under your belt get paid to make you mistakes. learn so much else is, yeah. in openings from yeah. finances to punch lists to yeah. things about people um you know with kimpton i got to travel to a couple cities and do a, f- a few other openings with them after we did that one but you know in the opening here in dallas i mean i learned about punch lists and then i learned about the groundwork of culture getting mm. that laid down really quickly i'd never really worked anywhere that culture was such a thing, you know, and the word culture was really kind of just being thrown around in 2006. You know, yeah. they, Kimpton, they lived it, they breathed it, they exuded it, you know. What the, does that look like? The COO, Nikki Leandakis at the time, who I thoroughly respect over and over again, um, you know, she had been with Kimpton for 20 something years and bu- kind of built it from the ground up. And so when she would come and talk, you could just feel like, I'm so happy to be part of this group. Yeah. I'm going to learn so much from, from these people. Um, you know, and they just made it sure that we were all connected. You know, Paint that picture. What do you need? Clearly, they were doing it right. Yeah, and you identify that they did culture right. But what does right look like? Get specific. Paint that picture of how they built that culture and what it looks like when done right. We just lived it every day. You know, it doesn't didn't feel like a checklist. It didn't feel like the punch list. (laughs) You know, it's just that's how we interacted with each other. You know, were we respectful? You know, Kimpton lived by I don't know if they still do by the Escoffier quote of you know, look at me, smile at me, talk to me, thank me. That was what we talked about every day, you know, that a smile can fix almost anything. Mm. Right. Um, so that's just how we acted with each other. It's how we interacted. Um, and that's what we did with our guests as well. So if you're doing it with your associates and your guests, it's just kind of all encompassing. So what type of things that they do to make sure that it was being lived Every day, did they echo these things? Did they write it? Like, did they make you do like refresh training? How how were they making sure it was being lived every day? Um, We all got together a lot. Um, Obviously, we had the conference calls and things like that. But they did one thing that I found. They actually did two things I thought were very valuable. They did a mentorship program. So, as a GM, you got 
grouped with another member of the food and beverage division of Kempton, and they were your mentor for a year. And they were out of a different market. So we got on the phone. Obviously, it's expensive to fly and meet up every month. Yeah. But we got on the phone every month, and they talked you through, like, hey, where are you at? What yeah. do you need help with? Are you understanding flow through? Are you, you know, my mentor was a guy named Frank Kowecki. I was just going to ask Yeah, you best was. name ever. Yeah. Uh, he was so awesome to me. Um, nice. And I learned, you know, I learned financials. That mm. was my hang up at the time, right? I really what, didn't what were understand you, financials. Which part hung you up? Um, their way of doing financials. You know, everybody does it differently, Um, you know, and they focused on other things like flow through. I'd never worked anywhere that had a bonus program like that, that I was, you know, responsible for, for people underneath me that I wanted to make sure that they got their bonus, not because something I'd failed to teach them. Right. Um, That I had participated in making sure that they earned their bonus and for myself as well, to be honest. Right. Um, So I mentored with him for a year and then they did this thing where they put the chef and the GM together for six months um, and we basically spoke to a psychiatrist over the phone oh together you know it's so funny you yeah. mentioned that because i always say like I, w- I want my dream job to be i might go back to school to become a psychologist but, but do yeah. like partnership like a like a marriage with like partners in the restaurant it industry. was like marriage counseling yeah. i'm not kidding i would love that yeah and um, I, we learned so much about each other he's still a friend of mine to this day he owns his own restaurant here in dallas nice um tom fleming i love the man um and i feel like i know the name He's been around for a long yeah. time. Um, and uh, yeah, we learned a lot about each other and how to work together and how to work together as a team and how to work together as you know smart business partners. So what does that look like, working together as a team? What skills? Communication, okay. constant communication so that we're both on the same page. There's no mom against dad or there's no, we do it this way when Megan's here. If Megan's not here, we do it this way because Tom's here. Is it's, there a framework? Fluid. Is there a framework that you apply to this communication or is it just... The idea of open communication. Concept. We just always made time. Gotcha. You know, one day a week is Block when we it. sat down and no interruptions. You know, at the time it was flip phones. We didn't have to worry about cell phones, right? <laughs> I think I got my BlackBerry in like 2008. Uh, <laughs> so it was, you know, but we made time, right? We it. sat down and we made time. We brought the team in too. So sous chefs, AGMs, bar managers. We brought, brought everybody in too. So was Kimpton the last group you worked with before coming on with? Yeah, I left. Um, I left. Kimpton and went to a small restaurant and then Jay recruited me out of there because he knew I had experience and okay. he knew we knew a lot of mutual people Okay, um, and he brought me on and he flat out told me I can't pay you what you're worth you know I'm just trying to get started but my vision is to grow this from more than one location and I think you're the right person to do it but I'm going to be straight up I cannot pay you what I know you're getting paid right now so what was it about what he was feeding you uh, as far as the vision that made you bite um, at first, I'm going to be frank and honest. At first, I was like, I'm just going to take it because this guy I'm working for right now is not, it, you know, like yeah. I shouldn't have taken that last job. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to take this one. I'm hoping it's going to lead somewhere. Yeah, this is my exit strategy. It's going to work for me. Yeah. I'm going to make it work for okay. me. Um, and I knew Jay didn't have any restaurant experience. So I was like, okay, I can guide this guy. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. He doesn't have restaurant experience. He's flat out honest. He doesn't. He knows his big saying all the time was what gets measured gets managed because mm. that was what they lived GE capitals where he was fortune 500, you know? Um, so knowing that, that he had that measurability coming from Kempton, knowing that they measure as well. Right. I was like, okay, I can get along with this guy. Yeah. We'll be on the same page. So it's really interesting. So this is about where you two cross paths. Yeah. And this is where I've been trying to work up to, to get you guys kind of on the same page to, to get your stories overlapped. Um, what, I mean, Clearly, Jay was doing something right. Absolutely. Because he, he came with no restaurant experience. He was successful in life, clearly, because yep. this was all self. Um, was it self-funded? 
Um, or maybe there was friends, w- there was a small group of friends. Okay. Yeah, for but the first location, they, they scaled to like what, like nine locations, mm-hmm. seven locations, or something along. They the got up to nine, then he's closed a couple since, but he got up to nine. So I mean, to be a part of a team from the ground level to scale it to nine locations, that must have been that's the first time either of you done have done anything like that, correct? Correct. To this point, so w- reflecting back at that experience, what were the key lessons you learned to set you up for success for your own thing? God, I learned so much in the seven years. <laughs> what to do, what not to do. We'll start um, with the, the biggest failures. Maybe one of you start and brainstorm while the other one's going out with the biggest failures you made in that, that period, this from t- 2011 to 2018, that seven-year period. Um, I think in the growth of not putting our foot down when the growth was happening too fast, mm. when it wasn't smart to grow out of market which may, I mean out of Dallas as fast as we did um, I wish I would have been more steadfast in saying like hey I think we're putting the cart before the horse kind of thing right yep um, we don't have the team there to make it successful um, you know that I think it should have been more steadfast and maybe explain myself a little bit better instead of, instead of you know he always called Dino and I the IT department you have to beg your way to maybe when you're like, oh, my computer's not working, you know? So, um, I sh- probably should have explained myself a little bit better and maybe presented a more thorough plan as to why I didn't think we should have grown so as fast. Just specific. Um, well, how long did it take you to start expanding? What year, like where was that period? Kind of so white rock opened in 2013, right? Yes. So it was almost two years before the second location. Okay. Um, we did diners, drive-ins and dives in December of 2011. And one half of the Deep Ellum location he's at now. And then he expanded. He doubled the space in Deep Ellum okay. um, in 2012. So it was kind of another location. Yeah. I added 70-something seats. Yeah. Um, and then Conneroso White Rock opened in 2013. And then it just progressively went. So if, was, was the White Rock location the, the issue or is it thereafter? No, we're talking about Houston, Austin. Okay. So we did Houston, two locations in Houston and one in Austin in nine months. Wow. While we just opened one in Dallas. So if you could go back and do it differently, what would you have liked to have seen? Done one in Houston, one in Austin, more spread out, instead of doing two in Houston and one in Austin. Okay. So we did Houston, Austin, Houston. So so why? And I had a child at the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel that. Um, while, while we were talking about this, do you know what was going through your mind? <laughs> <laughs> was a really stressful moment for us. Yeah. Was in you, you know, you imagine have a two weeks old baby I in a car imagine. driving down yeah. to Houston, uh, beating traffic. Uh, one time we got a terrible storm coming up. Uh, I thought I wasn't going to make it. It was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, yeah, I forgot about that rainstorm. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly. So, uh, totally uh, believe that that was one of our less successful moment because it's we were not prepared yeah well you mentioned uh that you weren't planning on sticking around you were just here to help him open and get him going uh but that was you, the first visit when i came back the plan was to stick around to do you it. met megan and you said i'm gonna stick around <laughs> <laughs> well, we grow at the point that we became a family yeah, and yeah. A company we really believed it. but i have to say one other thing that you know, at the first Caneroso in 2011, it wasn't the last Caneroso they opened, you know, seven years later. The the company had changed. Okay. Uh, I think it changed the initial concept, the ideology, the idea what they want to be. Caneroso today, it's not the Caneroso that was back yeah, then. Yeah, it's not what we left. You know, we were uh, an authentic Neapolitan pizzeria. You had a guy from Naples. The, uh, now you find on the menu queso. You, find, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it, it just different. Mm. Uh, 
it's not what it was. So I don't want to tear apart. Me, no, no, no. That's so not that's my hope. Yeah, but it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. That's not my intention. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, what were the things that you saw happen there that you want to make? Sh- what are you going to do differently this time around? I guess. I think I will. That's what I wasn't going to. I think at some point the communication was lost yep. between the owner and us. Oh. It wasn't coming from us. I didn't change it. You know what I mean? So the communication lost. I think I will never lose that. And uh, I will never lose uh, my soul why I started this company mm. too. Because I want to be, I mean, you know, we didn't serve a pepperoni at the first Caneros because at Neapolitan don't have a pepperoni, right? Yeah. So we had the ideology, right? But now, we sell pepperoni after years. Why? Because people, that's what they want. You know, going back to your original talk, when you say people now think more about grow the company. Yeah. And less to be in. What makes money to it? Mm. You know, people come to here, as today, one guy was very interested, which is now, he's one of our best customers. He says, uh, I want a chicken parm. He comes here the first week. <laughs> So the uh, I would never guy. dream of saying that to an Italian man. Oh, they do it all the time. <laughs> you have they no do it all the time. Often. Because they are used to have it no matter what. You know, the idea is different with yeah. the, the real Italian restaurant, what we're trying to offer. So he comes, say, why don't you make, right? And the server didn't know how to tell me the guy wants chicken pound. So I came to talk to him. I said, listen, last time the guy asked me chicken pound, I quit my job. He said, why? He said, let me tell, he said, uh, you know, when I go to an Italian restaurant, he said, I get a chicken parm. I said, so you can get it anywhere else. Why do you want it here too? Yeah. That's yeah. the idea. We try to do something a bit different. Something that you might get in Naples. You get Scarpariello. You get something. You know, everyone could put the things that people want. Mm. But then, okay, then you are not really open a restaurant that you want. Yes. You open a restaurant that people want. I know that might be easier. But it might be even more difficult because they have no reason to really come to you if they could just go across the street. I mean, there's another Italian restaurant block down. There's another Italian restaurant two blocks down. And Rosso is three-tenths of a mile away yeah. from us, right? So, But, yeah, now this, this guy comes in here three times a week, if not four. I don't know if I'm completely picking up. So you're saying that um, – you, did you make the chicken parm or did you I not? Did not. You did not. Okay, that's you what I thought. got bolognese, right? So, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I stick to what I wanted to do. So you're saying true to your values. Correct. Yeah. I explained to him why we were not doing it. I kind of give him an idea of what we were trying to do. Eh? Yeah. So he actually get it. He got a history like we talked about earlier. He got a history. We kind of educated him, explained it. Yeah. And he came back the weekend nice. later by all his family. I mean, he spent five hundred dollars that night. He didn't, after, he didn't ask for chicken parm again, did he? No, he, he didn't. Good, 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 good. He was a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. A, that's what I say. I think, you know, if you just want to open a restaurant uh, to make money, like we said, you don't really need a restaurant. Find a different way to make money. You know, open a fast food. Yeah. You know, put a franchisee. I mean, you do, uh, especially if you are not really a cook. But I think for a person. They starts washing dishes when he's a little, becomes to a you know a, a sous chef and then a chef and then an executive chef. That works really hard for thirty years in mm. a restaurant. I think everyone that spends so much time in a restaurant, her biggest dream is to have their own restaurant, yeah. right? And obviously, they have their own idea. They want to make people the food that they love, which they have their own. They're sharing history. their passion. That's you what know, it's all about. Yeah. You got your history. You say, hey, look at this. Look at this tomato. Why I think? Why do I think it's good? Try. Why do I think it's good to try it? You tell me why. <laughs> Taste it. You know what I mean? I mean, use an American tomato. Why use an Italian tomato? Taste it. 
you taste the Italian Samarzano, not the best Samarzano. <laughs> they can tell me whatever they want. You know, they, they pick up from a tree of a, a Japanese, a roses, those tomatoes. The Samarzano are the best. You can taste the acidity. Yeah. You taste the real tomato. I don't like sweet tomato. If I get a pizza as a sweet sauce, it's not for me. Mm. I have to have the acidity of tomato. Okay. So that's why I like it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you. Try it, please. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of people, like we're going back to the education. Again, Neapolitan pizza, if you explain it, present it, and then you taste it, you know, you get punched by those strong flavors. I'm going to get freshness. punched by those strong yeah. flavors before <laughs> I leave, that's for sure. You can't tell yeah. me that it's not good. Yeah. You can tell me you still prefer the crispy side, the one that you lift the slices, this, and that, but you cannot tell me it doesn't have no, I'm picking flavor. up what you're putting down. You know what Yeah, I mean? absolutely. So I say uh, if you are somebody that really loves the job, you know, we, c- we invested a lot in this restaurant as a – Time, uh, yeah, money too, a passion, right? We kind of put in a different other business, but we don't know what else to do. It. Yeah, that's where we like it. That's you grow up to. That's how you see yourself. It makes you really happy when people walk out there really enjoy. It. I mean, we had a couple the other night that came. Said we drove here from Frisco. Okay, he said it's Frisco is forty five minutes north. Said because we read about it, we were in Naples three months ago, mm. and you know we were missing it. And tonight we got the same experience. That's awesome. But those things make you happy yeah. because that's what was our goal. That's the purpose, yeah. Give this couple the experience that they wanted. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you, you know, come here, you get the best uh, stuff to cross the uh, pepperoni. You're not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> but you come here, you yeah. feel at home. I feel and, you, man. And if you've been in Italy, I, right, I, you I totally get the same it. experience. I get if it. you didn't, you just yeah. got tripped to Naples for cheaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So we got to start talking about you guys – making the decision to break away to do your own thing uh, you spent a year before opening right mm. um, talking again um, and a half yeah. yes yeah so what was your vision take us there and, and take us through the, the challenges of, of making this happen we first like everybody say you gotta have the dream on paper you gotta show you need the money right so I call I call a few friends and it was interesting because one of my friends that is actually partnered with us, it's the guy that built Miami. His name is Stefano Ferrara. I think those are the best pizza. The guy who buy. The, by your, your oven. He, he built yeah. our pizza. The yeah. beautiful custom pizza. He's a very oh, famous it, it Neapolitan is, pizza oven it's, builder. It's gorgeous. I'll be yeah. sure to. Generation <laughs> is yeah, awesome. we have video now. I'll be sure yeah. to get ca- uh, some capture. It's that, great. That oven. So we yeah. talk, I was talking to him on the phone because he knew it. he built all the ovens at Canerosso because I. I designed all of it beside the first one. I designed it, talked with him. The colors, choose the tires, the model, the sides. I designed this one too. So when uh, the story with Canerosa ended, I was talking on the phone with him. and said, hey, I'm not with them anymore. He was the guy that told me, because I was a little bit shocked. You no, know, eight years now, I have to figure out what I really want to do. He said, well, now we can finally do the pizzeria restaurant that we want to do for a long time. So he you and him. Okay. Yeah. So is he your, he's your partner in he's like, part- yeah. here? Okay. He's partner yeah. in this place. I said, yeah, there might be time. He said, you know, you always want to do it. You're always too busy. We can do it. Now we can finally do what it. What changed? What happened that make you to finally be able to do it? I said, now I have the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm free. I can do it. I can dedicate. Because, yeah. you know, and really, it's not a joke for anyone that wants to start this adventure. Count year, year and a half, maybe two, before you even step in a place. From the moment you start researching, researching the location that you like get the money together, get your plan, you know, start a construction, finish construction, start the train. It's going to be a year and a half almost too. Yeah. So when did he approach you and say, now's the time? Uh, a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago? the phone. Yeah. And 
at, b- prior to this point, were the two of you talking about? Oh, every day. We yeah. visit him. We yeah. talk. We meet in Vegas every year. We meet him when we go in Naples because we meet at the Pizza Expo. We do the uh, the show together. Standy being is having so. You guys, pizza you've, for people. You, you two have been married for since 2015, correct? Right. So five years. So I'm assuming that this was probably a discussion even before your marriage. Yeah, this probably. was an you're, end game at some point. You're right? We just didn't know when it was going to happen. Yeah, you guys are probably talking about being business partners before you were being yeah. my partners, right? Of course. <laughs> no, but it's, it's scary to open a restaurant, yeah. right? Especially in today's market. So obviously um, leaving Cane Rosso propelled us to be like oh, just rip the band-aid off and let's do it right yeah, we know what we're doing we've yeah. done this a million times over let's just do it okay so what was your plan like what was your vision like what what like take us through that process we wanted to stay true so we got with a um branding agency essentially and said help us brand this okay. right um because i know the importance of branding like even going back to kimpton make sure that your font type is the same throughout little things like that just translates all the way through. Right. Um, so we wanted someone to brand, help us come up with a logo. What's going to, you know, what's going to translate. Um, they helped us name yeah. the restaurant. I, I think it's, sorry, keep going. No, I thought you short. no, they helped us name the restaurant. Um, because Dino wanted it to be like his love letter to Naples, mm. you know? So we, a brand that we could stay true to, to where we weren't serving chicken parm just because someone asked for it. things like that. Yeah. Right. So, um, we dove in, and said, let's do it. I think it's really important to go through these these motions early on before you open um, because once you get open, the bandwidth goes away. Yeah. To, to really like to mesh these things out, to find your identity, right? Uh, so you, to get that clarity on day one or before day one, to, to know what you're to like to it's kind of like building the frame of your home before you you get in it right like yeah. you, you can't build it from the inside out you, or you want to work from the I don't know if I'm I should probably thought of that analogy a little <laughs> bit more but um I know where you're going. you know what I'm saying yeah so um so the one of the things that you did right is you you nailed down that brand who you were your essence well before getting started what else did you guys do right we searched for location yep we took yeah, our time on that why is it so important to take your time on a location? It's really you gotta feel it. Location, it's fifty percent of the success. Beautiful location, by the way. Thank I you. Love That's it. a, yeah. It's an old building. building. It felt like Naples as far as like it's got history behind it instead of you know some random suburban strip mall. Which nothing wrong with that either. But we thought for our first location, it kind of had to feel yeah. like what we were trying to get across. Yeah. So I just looked down. Is it a hard stop at four o'clock? We can go like four fifteen. No, okay. I'll, I just want to make sure. Cause I want to make sure we, you guys yeah. knew we have 10 minutes left and what's, but okay. still we only have 25 minutes left. So what are the things that are that in the past, we'll say two years now from when you broke out and you said, we're going to do this. You committed, you had your partner uh, to where you are now have been the biggest challenges, maybe the biggest failures. If you could do, if you could do a redo or, the things that you did the best that you want to share that you want to pay pass along to my listeners. Is, does anything come to mind when I say that? I would say then uh, for anyone who wants to try, if you think for instance, that you need a $200,000 for your dream, raise 400. Yeah. Double. Yeah. It. Double. It. Double. Yeah. double what you think yeah. you need. Also make sure you know what you want to do. You got to have your idea. Yeah. You have to know what you want to do. it. Then you could go because if you go to a branding agent. I don't know, I want to open a restaurant. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You have to tell them exactly what you want. What's your vision? Mm. And they're going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And then you can see it. You can choose. You take from what they give it to you and choose where you want to go. But you have to know where you want to go. It's not going to be easy. 
money seems like never enough. You have to have that vision. You have you to have be to. dead have certain on where you're going. set on it. Yep. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to waver back and forth and yeah. you're never really going to be set. You need to be definitive. Yeah. Uh, everything you learned, then uh, you think you're going to use it. You're not going to make a mistake. Yeah. It's not going to be enough. You're still going to make a mistake. So, yep. For instance, <laughs> we knew it. It wasn't totally our fault, but we knew it. We wanted to sign up before we even started construction. We wanted to sign, and we worked towards that. We got to sign three months after we opened. <laughs> we started on – that's one of the first things we started on my punch list, signage, because we knew like, it's important, right? You're brand, paying, brand, yeah, brand. Get you're, people you're, curious. You're paying rent. You might as well put the sign up. And right? the way things fell in the historic district and the historic building – Three months after we opened, we got our sign. Yeah. Well, what would have happened if you put that at the end of your list? You would yeah, be, we would have still have no still, sign. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. So plan, make sure there's more, like start processes sooner than you think yep. is what I'm getting from Always. you. And then double whatever you think it's going to take. Yep. Um, make it. Did you guys make that mistake or did you go into this? No, we that, knew okay, from yeah. other locations. Financial wise, we yeah. knew it. We were there's, there's things behind walls yeah. when they start doing yeah. construction. Like, oh, we didn't know that was yeah. there. You know, and I, build and a I, house. I love these conversations because I say, you know, opening a restaurant in 2020 or 2019 yeah. is not the same as opening a restaurant in 2018. No. A lot has changed in the past eight years. What was un- What's unique about the industry today? Um, some of the, ch- the unique challenges of opening a restaurant today versus maybe 20 years ago when you were doing it for somebody else. Staffing. Or 10 years ago. Staff. Staffing. Yeah. It's impossible mm. because it's an employer's market or employee's market. They can go anywhere and there's so many restaurants always opening and it's the next, you know, I'm going to go the next best thing, um, the next flashy thing that's going to be packed for a while um, and people are overpaying um, for a lot of positions just to get people in the building. Mm. Um, so it's hard. Staffing is a constant juggle. It took us a while. Now we kind of have a really good core staff. We figured out what our staffing levels are. That's another thing. Always overstaff in the beginning because things are going to change. People aren't going to make the cut. Yeah. You know? and, and they're uh, not going to make the cut. They're not going to hang. It's going to yeah. be too stressful. Maybe or, like two thirds of your entire team. Like you're going to lose yeah. a third of your people. You know? If not more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so did you overhire? We did, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I tried to overhire to a certain degree. Um, I always felt like we were a step behind. Um, but, you know, now we've got that staff and we've yeah. figured it out. But, yeah, we overhired a little bit. Yeah. Um, what else did you do in the early days before opening that you think set you up for success? Um, I think just planning and, you know, making sure that we had everything that we needed, our, our punch list. Yeah. You know, knowing we had business cards before we even had before construction even started do you i'm, I'm just gonna throw this out there do you have your punch list still do you have like a like a digital copy of it uh yeah do you are, <laughs> are you willing to share that i'm curious yeah. i mean if you're willing yeah, I'll, of I, will, course, yeah. I will make sure we I'll can email share it that. to you that'd be amazing yeah. thank you so much thank yeah. you i was kind of worried that even asked, <laughs> no that'd be incredible no, it was shared with me and i've shared it with so many nice. other people thank other you friends and yeah stuff. i'd yeah. love to get that um so one other thing i'm really curious about is your partner um, say his name for me one more time. I read it someplace. Stefano Ferrara. Stefano. Stefano. I'm like Stefano. the worst. My name should be like revoked. Um, what was it about him that made him a good partner? That's another important question. Yeah. I was about to say, choose your partner very, very well. Yep. So why him? What was going on there? Well, I had a five, six people. And uh, you have to choose the people that first of all, understand you do it because you love what you're doing. Mm. Second, know you very well. They trust you. A third, it's not people that are going to make your life worse as a nightmare. Mm. 
Mm. If he's the guy that say, yeah, I'm going to give you $100,000, but I want to make sure I get 5% return every year, that's not your partner. That is not good for you. You're going you're gonna to hang yourself in a bathroom before the, you so, <laughs> so who are you looking for? If you're not looking for the person that's just after the money, who are you looking for? You're looking for a person that believes in you. Yeah, mm. someone that has your back. You. Why? Because he might lose his, his money. Yeah. He might never get back. Yeah. So do you. You know, we put our savings too. Yeah. And I think you're you're, you're dropping some really great advice right now because I think when we're passionate and we have our vision and we will do anything to open our restaurant and somebody comes at us with a blank check, how much do you need? Yeah. And when you want it, it's so tempting to just say, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, but once they give you that money, you're on the hook. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I mean, unless you have a, a tight partnership agreement, they own you. You yeah. know, so that's another thing. What, what's your partnership agreement look like? Did you guys, how did you work that out? Anything we should know on that front? Well, you obviously it's everything legal on paper. Yeah. Everything clear. Yeah. You know, they, he gets a financial report every day. Yeah. Right. So a person that you have to be open with that. So is he just a strictly financial investment investor? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he, he builds the ovens. He builds the ovens. So I'm sure you got a good deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we, we got yeah. a great yeah, job. Yeah, we got to pay for the materials. Oven, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. beautiful in the design. He just, uh, you know, he knows how many hours I put in a restaurant yeah. for my history. He knows I'm here every day. You know, we talk, we talk weekly. I send reports daily. You know, now if this restaurant won't uh, make him the return, he wants it. But he knew we tried everything as yeah. possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? His people won't care about that. He knows. Yeah. And we, as a sign, you know, I tell people too, you got to show them that you believe it. And the way we did, say, listen, I'm going to put the same amount of money you do it. So if you lose, I lose. Yeah. I got no interest. Skin in the game. You know yeah. what yeah. I mean? You have to. Nobody's going to just give you money for your name. You know, uh, if you are not a big name chef and even so yeah. they could lose it. you know yeah. it's a risk investment yeah. so you gotta know exactly who is the people that gives you money I mean you're taking people money yeah. it's not a joke no, yeah. I mean I have a, for some reason I grew up with this uh, really sense of responsibility I don't sleep at night if I own somebody money it's my nightmare I gotta make work he needs a guy his money back I don't know why I'm from Naples, but I grew up with a big sense of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. So, uh, reflecting back over the past over the past year or six months uh, since you've been open, um, what has been your biggest challenge? This building uh, it's uh, it's been really good to us, but the historical area has been the biggest challenge. This imagine there wasn't nothing here before, never been anything, right? So this area downtown is uh, rechanging. It's uh, growing, it's cleaning, uh, to make people understand that we were here. Uh, you know, if you see the setup too, it hasn't been that easy. You know, mm. people walk in and they didn't really know. You got to come up the stairs and then they love the place. We didn't have a sign for the first three, four months. So people had no idea where was it. Mm. You know, the name, the logo was really so challenging. just the, the hoops that you had to jump through to stay within the historical uh, mm-hmm. what, there's a word for it. I can't think of it right now. The guy, yeah, the district rules. Whatever. Yeah. Um, what else? What, what came to your mind when I asked that question, Megan? For challenges, 
with yeah I, mean, I feel like the historical stuff is kind of like out of your yeah control. It's out of our control yeah you just gotta play uh, nice and I, I mean I fall back on staffing again I really yeah. do and then you know I've been in Dallas for 20 years in the restaurant business I have never cared about the convention calendar let's be honest the it's convention never, calendar yeah it's never affected me but in downtown Dallas you live and breathe by the convention calendar yeah so I've learned a different way of networking and a different group of people to network with to ensure that we have things going on when there's conventions in town yeah. right because um, people that live locally in Dallas don't come down during the week it's the weekend thing yeah I got so you. you've got to you know hit the hotels and the conventions so it, it was a learning yeah. lesson for me and I, I need to point something out just to kind of put a little extra emphasis on this fact that staffing is such an issue right now you've been in Dallas for how many years 20 20 years and what I would recommend for somebody is to go be a part of a community yep. before opening your own place because that that network of the people that have worked for you in the past, they're going to be the people you, you reach out to to be your, your, your baseline. That's, I mean, Dino's entire kitchen staff has yeah. worked for him before. Yeah, and even with 20 yeah. years of experience within this <laughs> yeah. city, you're still tra- like challenged. Yeah. Like you're you're the, the picture-perfect example of somebody who shouldn't have any issues, which yeah. just gives like a real testament to like how bad it is out there. Well, so, all the people I started with 20 years ago have gotten out of the business. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. You're the only crazy one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the crazy one over here. Yeah. So what, what did you do uh, to incentivize people to come work with you? Um, we try to make their schedules as flexible as they need them to be. You mm. know, um, it, that's the key. That's what they want. Is they're in it. It's essentially the the career waiter doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, I worked at a place in Dallas called the, back in the day called the Green Room, and to get a job there as a server, someone literally had to die. Wow! You know, like it was such a coveted job to yeah. have because they made good money and it was a great schedule. Um, and then now that's that doesn't exist anymore. You know, um, because it's so such a revolving door of people. Um, so you just have to make their schedules as flexible as possible, and then give them the tools that they need to do their job. Yeah. You know, where we've all worked at those places where you know the manager's like, "I'm not giving you any more spoons because." I'm I'm trying to make my bonus. And if I order more silverware, I'm not going to make bonus. So, (laughs) so give them the tools to do their job. Give me some examples of the tools you need to give them aside from spoons. Um, (laughs) Not just spoons. (laughs) Um, You know, the um, continuing education, making sure that they're constantly learning. What what things are you giving your staff to make sure they're learning? Um, You know, wine knowledge. We bring in our purveyors to taste wine with them. Um, I did a little wine class with them two Fridays ago. Um, You know, Dino talks to them about food. They t- they taste our food constantly. So continued education. Yeah. Um, what else do you do to empower? What other tools do you give them? Um, and then they're all empowered to make things right. So if a guest says they don't like something, okay, what can I get for you? You know, oh, you didn't like that? Let me buy you something else. Let me get you a glass of wine next time if you didn't like that bottle of wine. You know, you know? so they're all empowered to do that. So they feel like they have, I guess, some ownership yeah. in the space. Um, you know, and then we, these guys are our family. You know, we had a great holiday party in January with them, you know, to thank them. Um, we try to recognize them as often as possible. Um, and what does that look like? What does recognition look like? Um, you know, shout outs and lineup and things, you know, like you got three great back to back reviews on, from our resi guests, you Mm. know, um, here's a gift card or here's a t-shirt, you know, like pat on the back or just even just a general we need like, to be seen yeah we need that we need yeah. to be recognized it's one of those human needs we to- can't have parts of nope if we didn't have our staff what'd you say earlier seen smile yeah the- look at me smile at me thank me the- talk to me all that stuff i yep. mean feeds our soul we need it to, to yep. be happy as humans and, and it's what that's free it Absolutely. is a free thing that you can do to acknowledge your yep. people, and it pays off in spades. It's yep. so valuable. Uh, anything we have not discussed 
up to this point, anything that you were hoping would come to the conversation that we didn't get around to, now's the time to get it out. No, I just uh, tell them, like we talk about, choose your partner, choose your employees as well, too. Mm. You know, when you make the decision, you got to be like uh, RGM, work with us before G, uh, the general manager here, then you met early kit. Yeah. He's a great guy. We like him. You got to trust the people that work with. Our earlier kitchen manager worked with me before. Really trust him. He, all his family works here. And, you know, one thing he told me, he came to us, as, you know, when he knew we were open. He said, I really want to come work yeah. with you. Because he said, uh, I know how hard you guys work. Mm. Yep. He said, that's why I want to work with you. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better than tell him thank you at the end of yeah. the week. It's a good thank you. We can never done it without him. I agree. I we don't ask these guys to do anything that we wouldn't do. No, if do. you think about it, the hardest position to fill up in the kitchen is the dishwasher. Mm. Nobody wants to wash dishes. I love washing dishes. I, I'm a freak. I enjoyed it I don't slightly, know but <laughs> yeah. I'd it's rather wash dishes than hostess. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> but every night, it's the hardest place. No, to it can be right. tough. It can be real and, tough. And uh, how much can you really pay? How much you can really make? Let's yeah. see the highest pays dishwasher in a country. 20 bucks an hour? Maybe, yeah. Right. In New York City, yeah. in LA. Yeah. Yeah. In Maybe the United Seattle. States, yeah. okay? Why should he do that if he can make a 22, 23 being an Uber? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That makes very Uber difficult. is pretty cush. I'm not going to lie. I've done yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I used, so, to, I used to Uber when I was editing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a really tough position to fill it up. Yeah. Yeah, right? for sure. I feel so, yes. And we have the Sandy Schuster since we opened. Mm. That's Two. a testament right there. Yeah. So they just like it. I love it. Uh, one last question before we go to the speed round is something I ask all my guests. Uh, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. How have the two of you transformed in your time in this industry? Who are you today versus the people you were getting started? I believe that today we don't compromise. We show people where we really want to do it, and we know no chicken parm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's Mr. <laughs> no Chicken Parm. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we know that. It, could be successful so don't just give up mm. because you think oh i need to make money fight for your vision yeah and you yeah. gotta make money i love it it's not gonna be easy yeah by persistence nothing in life worth doing is easy in my opinion not I mean, really. and i think we are so adverse to like hard work because we're told yep. that if you're working hard you're doing something wrong yeah it's not true you gotta you just gotta yeah. embrace it um, yeah do you know my mindset. first menu i did you know oh four in seattle was in italian not because I want to be the cool guy, because I speak no English. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. People go in there as a wow, this is yeah. fancy. And the story that I tell us all the time, this guy came in a few days. We had a line outside the door when we opened the rest. This guy comes, sits at the bar, and looks at the menu. He stares the menu for 15 minutes. Obviously, he didn't understand anything. It was in Italian. He puts the menu down. He orders in a hamburger and French fries to the bartender. The bartender said, we don't have it. I said, what? <laughs> you know, and then oh, we explained him what we have. We made him try. And he got a pizza. He loved it. Yeah. This was, you know, you gotta believe it. I had no other way to make a. Menu. I feel you, uh, Megan. Did you want to add anything to that? Um, you know, I just think come a long way in the way that we uh, deal with um, with our staff. You know, I worked for a chef that kept frozen limes on the line. When we made a mistake, he threw them at us. Oh. You can't do that anymore, no. right? <laughs> Just like Dino can't get yeah. locked in the basement anymore, exactly. right? Um, you know, and you learn to appreciate your staff and um, their family to a certain degree, right? Yeah. Um, it's just different interaction with your staff. I think I act differently with staff now than I did back then. Um, 
in a great way, you know, in a way that benefits them and us. Okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we're going to bust out a really fast speed round. Okay. We'll be right back. I'm sure you felt it before, right? That pressure, that intense pressure to have your restaurant website on point. But you should have that pressure. You should feel this way because your restaurant website is so important. It is your first impression and it represents your entire brand. But here's the thing. You're not a web developer. You're a restaurant owner. So how can you be held to these standards? Well, with Bento Box, that's how. Bento Box empowers you to own your presence, profit, and guest relations, all with full support, integration, and analytics. And here's something that's really great about Bento Box is that it prioritizes website accessibility. So with Bento Box, you can get a certified accessible restaurant website that follows ADA guidelines and supports your business because this is how you show your people you care. Beyond that, Bento Box websites drive 70% more traffic. They see seven times more conversions and get five times return on investment. What else can I say? Well, how about over 5,000 restaurants in all 50 states and around the world are using this platform with its suite of tools. Head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save 50% off your setup. Again, that's getbento, G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com slash unstoppable. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I think I already know the answer. Go down. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> uh, what is your biggest weakness? One word. Or short. I'll answer this for both of us. Control freak. Control freak. <laughs> uh, what is, well, how are you overcoming that quickly? Education. Education, yep. yep. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? Is this really what you want to do? And what yep. are you looking for? You Persist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? How are you overcoming it? I think I know the answer to that Staffing. one too. <laughs> I keep going back to yeah. it. Yeah. It's just trying to stay engaged and, you know, make yourself available for them. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. Um, I always tell them, you know, we have our tone, passionate, intentional, welcoming, relaxed, but I always try to, it, it, you need to come to work every day int intentional. Mm. 
your intent on great service, your intent on delivering an excellent product, you know, your intent on being welcoming to our guests. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your restaurant, but are not common throughout the industry. We really believe in what we do. Mm. That's why we don't do the chicken pie. I love it. Staying, staying true to your um, your mission, yeah. your vision. Your vision. Yeah. Uh, what is one book that will make us a better person or restaurant operator? Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. The Golden Standard. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to have all your managers read that book. Yeah. You really do. And it's on audio, too. I don't know if yeah. many people know that. So if you don't have enough time to read a book, well, then go listen to it on your drive to work every day. You won't regret it. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Use that link. You'll be supporting the show and thank you in advance. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Stick to their brands. Mm. I thank their staff. And, yeah, and thank the staff. What is one service you've outsourced? So this is a company, a person uh, that you go to to handle a piece of your business. Accounting. And who Tim. is Tim? What's his name? The name his of name's his Tim. He's amazing. We love Tim. And <laughs> the name of his business? Does he have a business? Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim the accountant. He's our, he's our CPA. Is, he's awesome, though. Does he have an, a, a website or anything like that I can link to in the show notes? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe uh, I'll put his contact yeah. information in the show notes. Yeah, okay. he's, we love Tim. He's the restaurant's you know, centered yeah. um, accountant. Look okay. out, Tim. Things yeah. are going to get busy. <laughs> uh, name one technology you've leveraged in your business that's had a huge impact on your bottom line or communication or efficiency or anything like that. Tabit. Yeah. Yeah. So our POS is a company called Tabit. Tabit. Rel- yeah, relatively new to the U.S. It's actually Israeli-based. Oh. Um, but they opened an office here in Dallas, and I cannot say enough about their customer support. Like, opening a restaurant is stressful. Yeah. POS brand new that you've never used before is stressful and they literally like lived here they came to our employee company party for the well, holidays because they're, they're literally part of our family no, they're some, great they're amazing some of them are chefs first time yeah. recommendation or recommendation on the show Tabit yeah I'll be sure to link to they it they do in online ordering and it's awesome comes straight through people don't want to talk to me on the phone to order anymore so yeah, right? right I think I'm the only person that likes to call the place orders people don't want to anymore I don't know what they don't want to talk on the phone I'm a weird our restaurant phone is a cell phone so they can text if they want so you don't have to call and make a reservation just yeah, text that's us that's why we choose a cell phone yeah I love it. <laughs> so this is the last question. It's a doozy, so be ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your restaurants, and your work would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three things be? It looks like yeah. Megan. Yeah. Well, for the good of humanity, everyone And, and for your work. legacy. Yeah. Uh, everyone should work in the restaurant business for at least six months. Right. Or hospitality, I should say. Any, yeah. any form of hospitality. That's one. Um, smiling fixes everything or it goes a long way yeah, right um and then there's one word that's synonymous with pizza and it's a party so everybody relax and have a good time nice i love it I three things all the time. Did you, did, were those the three for the two of you okay yes. beautiful well i've loved this conversation i wrap up every chat by calling somebody out so who's one person the two of you respect and admire and believe would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today somebody you would love to hear from on the show Rosario. 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 He would be Cucino great. From Ribalta, for your, yeah. Rosario and Pasquale. I'm happy you said Oh, and that. his chef, those two together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, how can we connect if we want to come join your team? Maybe uh, we were, maybe you, you touched our hearts today and we want to come join your team and be a part of what you guys are doing here. Uh, you reach out to us on Facebook um, or Instagram um, or even on our website, partinopedallas.com. Okay. Um, and yeah, we're always looking for team members. Yeah, and uh, I'll spell that for you. Partinope is spelled P A R T E N O P E. Partinope was the original name of Naples. Oh, yeah. 
it's hard to say these words when you're sitting across the table from an Italian, like a legit Italian. <laughs> it's a little like, intimidating. No matter right? how I yeah. say it, it's going to come out horrible. <laughs> the Texas <laughs> pronunciation is part to nope. I love it. You guys have been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, so you everybody. My pleasure. We'll cut it there. Awesome. There we go. Another one wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable, and it was a good one, like I promised. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, some really great things came out of today's conversation. Uh, I think the one that really resonated with me, we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about this, but it really struck a chord with me. It's this mentality that uh, this American culture of, uh, I think what Dino said is that in, in Italy, what they focus on is learning to love the work. Where in America, what we learn to do is learn how to be successful, right? And I, I kind of lean in that direction of we need to love our work more. I, I, we we look so much and define ourselves so much by how big we get our business and how much money we're making. But we know at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money we make. We'll never be completely satisfied. So, you know, I'm saying we, we do need to run our businesses. We need we we do need to think pr- professionally, but at the same time don't get so far away from the business that you learn not to love it. I mean, there needs to be that balance. We, we need to get in our restaurants more. I think we need to you know, get out of the office, get in front of our guests, uh, be a part of the lives of our, our, our employees. Right. And um, I think that we need to, we could be a lot better about finding that balance for sure. And I think really, again, the, uh, persistence we got to mention that a bunch of times it came up a lot in the show and then i, I loved uh how megan got into uh, the detail on what empowering your team looks like especially with culture and the, the power of having a mentor program i mean this is, these are things we can do in our own businesses right so really great stuff came out of today's conversation also um we're gonna try to get that that punch list in the show notes so i'm waiting on getting that uh punch list from megan she's gonna share it with us uh so if you check in the show, and it's not in the show notes. When you check, uh, check again because um, I just reached out to Megan. She says she's going to get me the list, so it might not be in the show notes when this goes live. But by the end of uh, Monday, when this goes live, it should be in there. So just keep an eye out for it. And uh, like always, guys, please reach out to me, Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Keep those five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. Uh, if you scroll down in the player that you're listening to right now, you should be able to click on the link to the YouTube channel where you can watch uh, these episodes and come into the restaurant with me. Also, join the Facebook group. That's where I'm really listening to you guys and reacting to how I can best serve you. And then lastly, the best way to support Restaurant Unstoppable is to spread the word. If you found value in today's show, share it with somebody. Uh, let's let's transform the industry together. All right. With that said, I'm done. See you later in the week. Until next time, peace out.